Hello and welcome to the Attribution Marketing Podcast. Today's episode number two, we are going to be discussing how to get actionable data from your marketing programs and how to use that data to optimize those campaigns. Today's guest is AJ Brown, co-founder and CEO of LeadsRx.com. LeadsRx is an impartial marketing attribution solution designed to help advertisers, marketers, and enterprises get more out of their advertising campaigns. So let's get to it. AJ, pleasure to have you with us here on the podcast. Thank you, Lucas. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. So first up, we just wanted to talk about what is actionable data? How would you define that? You know, I think a lot of marketers collect a lot of data, and sometimes it can be really interesting to just see what types of information we have about our customers, our marketing campaigns, uh, other vendors we might use, and so on. And sometimes analytics seems like it's just good because it's insightful information. It's new knowledge. It's information we can glean from and add to our experience base. I think the difference with actionable data is that we actually want to do something with the new knowledge that we gain. So actionable data to me means that we collect some information, maybe we massage it a little bit and analyze it differently, uh, extend or enrich the data, and then we take some type of business action on the outcome of that information that we now have. So it goes beyond just looking at analysis and goes to the point of saying, how do we use this as a useful instrument in our our business? Awesome. So maybe if you would, what's what's an example of, say, a data point that is actionable versus one that is not? You know, ROAS comes to mind, return on ad spend. A lot of companies these days are struggling with how to compute ROAS, but at a very simple level, it just talks about how much money we spend on marketing and how much money that spend resulted in in terms of revenue. So it's revenue out and dollars in. And if you just divide those two numbers together, you get a factor that says how much multiple we got on our spend. It's actionable because based on that knowledge, you can decide if that ad campaign that you're running and measuring with ROAS is actually resulting in um, enough business, if you will, for your company. You can compare campaign one to campaign two. If campaign two has a higher ROAS number, then it's going to be performing better than number one. We would invest more money in number two. There's immediate action you can take when you find out ROAS uh, in, in pretty much all cases. Awesome. That sounds great. So how do marketers even get that data? What steps did they take to uh, put them in a position to measure ROAS and then act on it? I think everybody has the ability at a high level without any special tools. You can always look at your marketing budget and what you spent, let's say, last month, and you can take your revenue from last month uh, and say, okay, these two might equate to each other. And if you have a short sales cycle where customers are buying your product within a short amount of time frame, that calculation is a great starting point. It's a macro level view of ROAS or return on ad spend, looking at the aggregate of all marketing programs and the aggregate of all resulting revenue. If you want to drill down below that, you want to look at, say, how Facebook is performing versus Google on a ROAS basis, then it gets a little more tricky. You might think that you could just log into your Google ads platform or Facebook ads, find out what money was spent. And of course, these platforms have what's called conversion pixels. 
that will help you understand how much revenue is driven by those campaigns. But it gets a little tricky because these vendors are what we call walled gardens. And as such, they are really good at telling you whether conversions resulted from their ads, ad clicks or ad impressions, but they often take full credit for that conversion point. So for example, if somebody clicks on a Google ad and on a Facebook ad before they buy your product, both Google and Facebook will report that one person converted and the ROAS data will be skewed by that as well. So at this point, when you want to get impartial with looking at different advertising channels, that's where you really need an attribution software solution. Any attribution vendor is going to allow you to break apart the Google contribution from the Facebook contribution and give partial credit where partial credit's due. Excellent. So that that sort of is the methodology for how to get to ROAS across a variety of channels. And so I, you hear this buzzword out there about being cross-channel or omni-channel. Walk us through how that works because marketers these days are often using three, four, maybe even 10 or 20 different channels to deliver their messaging. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Nowadays, marketers are finding that consumers are very, um, they're changeable. Let's say they change often about how they come in contact with your brand and how they want to build a trusting relationship with your company. One day, it may be Instagram and Pinterest that are really excelling in terms of uh, brand reach and getting your brand in front of clients or prospects. Um, Another day, it may be other vehicles like Snapchat or Twitter even. So it's important from a marketing standpoint to be seen in all possible locations you can be seen. For consumer-facing products, this is a challenge. There's so many uh, channels, new and old, that make it really difficult and frankly expensive for marketers to invest in all of them. But that's really what Omnichannel is all about, is reaching consumers in all the ways in which consumers might want to reach you. For B2B companies, it's a little easier. We have fewer channels to off- often to deal with, but still everything from you know LinkedIn to Google ads and even Facebook ads still perform, but programmatic or display ads, all of these play a factor in your channel programs to make sure, again, that those business consumers are finding you in the venues that are important to them. It's difficult to track the data in this case, but it's important to do so. You really can't assess your marketing uh, programs without looking at as many of these channels as you possibly can. So what maybe what's that pitfall if you skip over one or two and you can't measure how they interact together? What happens to the conclusions that you get? You know, it really depends, I think, Lucas, on the size of that channel that may be omitted. Uh, If it's a major source of of conversion traffic for you or an influence to your consumer, then clearly leaving it out is going to be a major problem. You know, one example is you might have um, TV spots running that are strong calls to action, direct response ads. Maybe they're offering a, a discount promotion to get consumers to buy your product now. Um, and yet you're still running Google ads, Facebook ads, and a variety of other, you know, say digital components in this example. If you leave out that TV ad from your analysis, from your omni-channel or cross-channel analysis, you're going to end up with very skewed results and probably giving too much credit uh, to things like Google ad and even organic search because you don't have any knowledge of that TV ad that's been running. But by including the TV in there, we'll know better how all of these channels are playing together Case in point, TV, when people see TV commercials, they often, when they visit that advertiser's website, 
they'll do an organic search to try to find the website. That organic search might lead to a paid search ad and the consumer clicks on it. If your attribution system is not incorporating your TV spot logs, then that attribution credit is going to go to the organic search or the paid search ad. And that's going to result in more credit being given to that source than is otherwise really uh, necessary. So that sort of talks about the various channels that bring people to a company, to an offer. Um, and that offer is spread across any number of those channels. But once somebody initially converts, once a prospect has shown interest in that offer and come into the fold, let's say, how do marketers and advertisers work people through that process to go from a prospect to becoming that end customer? That's typically called being uh, measuring the full funnel. So walk us through how marketers and advertisers need to pay attention to that full funnel and how it's not all about just getting more people in the top. What people really care about is getting people to the bottom of that funnel. So walk us through how that works in your world. Every business has a sales funnel. Uh, some are shorter than others. Uh, some are very, very, very long. If you think about a simple consumer product where you try to drive traffic to your website and make an immediate sale on that first visit to the website, there's still a sales funnel. Somebody's going to add a product to a shopping cart, and that could be a step in a sales funnel. Somebody might go to the shipping page um, and get a shipping estimate. That's going to be another step in a sales funnel. And maybe finally they check out. And that's a good example of a short sales funnel, but a funnel nonetheless. There's two or three conversion points that you might want to monitor in that example. In the B2B space, we see longer sales funnels. Prospects come in, they look at your website, maybe they download a white paper. They provide a little bit of information like an email address to identify themselves, but they become part of a, a sales process at that step. They've entered your sales funnel. As that prospect continues to uh, tour your website or look at competitor offering, offerings, maybe do some outside research, they'll come back to your website and further qualify themselves, hopefully uh, by asking maybe for sales contact. And even then, they're still on the sales funnel, just different stage. Now the salesperson is interacting with that individual um, and still sending materials, maybe even a price quote or a proposal to buy the product. That whole process of understanding the sales funnel is extremely critical to all marketers, but they can overdo it in this case. I've seen a lot of marketers who want to put out 15, 20 different funnel points in their metrics, and they want to analyze all of those. The reality is the most important funnel step is the last one. It's the one that turns the prospect into a customer. It's the sale. So what we always recommend is that you start with that funnel step. Start with the very bottom funnel step. It doesn't mean you're not being full funnel in your approach. It just means let's, you know, bite off one, one bit at a time here and focus on the most important uh, uh, in, uh, performance indicator that we have, and that's sales. Once you do that, you can start working your way back up the funnel to midpoint sections and even top of the funnel conversion points to get that full funnel measurement really put in place. How can a marketer or an advertiser really leverage all these tools in the proper way so that the results that they get at the end of the line from, from their software and their measurement tools and their tracking tools, what steps do they need to take to make sure that that data is impartial and unbiased? You know, bias can be 
brought into the picture in a variety of ways. The, the one we commonly see is with human hunches or experience and gut instinct. It's not uncommon that you have marketers who have been doing their job for, in some cases, decades, and they actually have a wealth of experience about what works and what doesn't work. Sometimes that changes. Of course, there's things like world pandemics that dramatically change the way we market or shake um, you know, our, our experiences uh, at the roots, really causing us to rethink things. But that bias is we, that we have, good or bad, towards our own experiences is one of the first stumbling blocks that marketers uh, come, in, come in contact with. And next, bias is also introduced by these ad networks that uh, kind of self-grade, if you will. Uh, they'll tell you they're going to serve your ads, people will click on them, they'll report how many people clicked, and nowadays they have a conversion pixel, and they'll tell you how many people bought your product as well. And as I mentioned earlier, there's often overlap in that part of the process where each of the ad vendors involved in the customer journey are going to take as much credit as they can for that one conversion you got. And of course, you know, we all scratch our heads sometimes wondering, are the ad servers really being genuine in their analysis? Uh, did they count all those clicks? Did they count all the conversions right? And so on. I think the, uh, the, the other way that bias enters into the equation is with view-through tracking or impressions. For those that are doing impression-based advertising, like display ads on the internet, it's, it's very common when you go to a page and see an ad that you'll see that ad two, three, four, I've seen it up to eight times on the same page. So you get eight impressions of that ad showing up. And, and you might think that one impression is doing the trick of getting someone to convert. They're coming to your website. Maybe uh, you know, they see the ad, they come, they go to an organic browser or organic search, they find your website and they buy. And so we want to think that, that that impression of the ad is doing really well. The reality is it took eight impressions uh, to get that consumer to buy. It took a lot of influence, in other words, and a lot of uh, reoccurrences of that ad over time. So that bias can all be removed by using a third-party approach to analyzing this data. And again, all attribution vendors, uh, third-party attribution vendors, will, will approach it this way. The human gut instinct is removed because it's purely analytic-based on what the computer can pick up for you. And we generally take the human element out of it. We're not reporting on our own ads being served as a vendor we're only reporting on ad served by other vendors. So if you're using Google or Facebook or another ad serving product, um, we're happy to assess the value of that without serving those ads ourselves. So we can be impartial on that approach. All of this comes up to mean that you have sort of a judicial system that's outside of the world of your own instincts and your own ad tech uh, to try to assess and determine are your advertising programs working well or not. And how do they work well together or not? So I think lastly, what are your recommendations? You're obviously in a position where you see a ton of data and, and clients across the board. So what is your advice to marketers and advertisers who are just getting started in this journey or know that they need to start addressing this in the near term? You know, I think it starts with just putting some type of analytics in place. Uh, we often talk about a universal pixel as a first step. What that means is it's a little piece of uh, a code that goes on your website to track and, and capture, if you will, all of the inbound traffic and the visitor traffic anonymously that comes to your website. 
the universal nature just simply means that one pixel can do the work of all those others that you've probably already installed uh, from your various ad tech vendors. It's not that you don't need those. Um, you don't in reality, but uh, a universal pixel will be compatible with those and will give you more of that unbiased kind of impartial analysis, if you will. So we recommend that everybody start by finding a universal pixel vendor out there, get that installed on your website, and that will get the data kind of flowing to begin with. Next, you really need to identify, you know, the one or two conversion points that you want to focus on uh, first. You know, think about your KPIs as a company, what's really important to you. Find out how to capture that conversion or the other or a couple of conversions and get that set up uh, analytically so you can so you can do that kind of uh, tracking. And then third step is to look at all of your marketing programs, all of the ads you're running, whether they're online ads or more traditional advertising on TV, radio, even direct mail, and make sure that you've got the proper ways to track those ad, uh, ad sets as well. We often talk about UTM parameters these days, and virtually every marketer we work with uh, is well-versed in UTM parameters. That's a great way to think about tracking is every ad click or ad that you serve needs some way to be registered in a back-end database, if you will, so that it can be properly a uh, associated and attributed to a downstream conversion. So those three steps, getting a, a universal pixel installed, identifying the one or two conversion points, and then making sure all of your marketing touch points can, can in fact be tracked, are really where we recommend most people start getting set up with uh, you know impartial attribution. After that, it's really just a matter of letting systems run for you and capturing customer journeys. A customer journey really is just a a list of events that occurred for an anonymous visitor to your website. Um, and that journey can be tracked over long periods of time, uh, sometimes by cookies, sometimes without cookies these days. And those journeys then are what we aggregate into attribution modeling to come up with analysis for you and ultimately the return ad spend uh, profiles that you get. Well said, AJ, and thanks for those recommendations. We really appreciated having you on this podcast. And we look forward to getting this information out. If anyone listening to this has any questions or would like to follow up on this podcast, you can typically see a transcript or further information in the link in the description. And if you have any questions at all, please feel free to leave a comment and we'll do our best to address all those questions as they come up. Thanks again, AJ, for spending time with us. And we are signing off on the Attribution Marketing Podcast.